Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen, amen, amen. That's awesome. You're making a difference. I love that. That's awesome. You really are making a difference there around the world, here and around the world. And as you saw, those are our 10 missionary uh, families. Some of the spouses weren't there, some of the kids. And, uh, but, you know, you're really changing lives. And so they face persecution every single day. They're working really hard. The last person on the motorcycle riding away is one of ours uh, missionaries. He has a, a disability, but it hasn't slowed him down. In fact, um, he has one of the first churches ready to be built that you've already given the money for. And so thank you for that. You saw the vehicle there. Uh, the couple that was speaking are over the Bible school. They're also over our Namadi group, David and Alka, just wonderful people. And so you really make a difference. You saw the saris. Uh, so not all the ladies that were there, their husbands were took saris home for them. And then uh, my wife set up here as we agreed that that wouldn't happen, but she <laughs> followed God and I appreciate her following God. And you gave so generously to shirts and then you had enough money to buy them all pants. So 30 saris and 130 shirt pants sets uh, went out that day. And then listen to this, in the meeting hall last year, the floor, it's kind of a, a suspended tile, like a 12 inch by 12 inch tile. And so it, many of them were broken. They're just broken in there and they sit around them and kind of move around them. Last year we thought, wow, this floor is really bad. I hope they get it fixed before we come back. And, and so we came back and it wasn't fixed. And so I asked what it cost to fix. And when you guys gave towards the saris and the shirts, you gave so much money, almost to the penny, it was enough money to fix the floor as well. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Hey, and that was $5,000. So you gave that above what was needed. And so, man, thank you for being obedient to God. God had it all figured out to the penny. He did. And so speaking of to the penny, that Jeep that you saw there, last year the mission, uh, um, the missions cafe, the cafe meals brought in $12,000. The Jeep cost uh, like 11800 and something for the vehicle. So God knew how much you would eat and what that, <laughs> what that would cost. And man, you're building yourself and you're building the kingdom and it's just a great thing. Keep going, keep going, amen. It's awesome to do that. So it is Mission Sunday today. The, day the cafe is open and you'll have a chance at the end of the service to keep being a blessing, a tree of life around the world. You are making a difference, amen. All right, get your Bibles out. We are jumping into a brand new series. Uh, it was on my heart after Easter to just look at this idea, this principle, this truth, this miracle of saved. We saw a lot of people give their life to Christ. In fact, last week, just in here in our two services, we saw 65 people at least give their, hand, their life to Jesus, amen? 65 changed lives, never the same. Old things pass away, all things become new. And so we know that there's always people that don't raise their hand, but will pray the prayer and seeds are sown and God's still working, it's still alive in them, amen? So thank you for your prayers and inviting people. Keep doing that every week. In fact, every week we see people give their life to Christ and year to date, from January, first Sunday in January to last Sunday, we've seen almost 300 people give their heart to Jesus, amen? And that's what it's all about, amen? That's what it's all about. People getting saved. So it was on my heart after Easter to do a series called Saved. And, 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 and I know that's what some of you might be thinking right now. It's like, well, this is just for people that aren't saved or just newly saved. No, it's for all of us because we need to be reminded of what it means to be saved. Amen. Not take it for granted, but understand who we are in Christ and what we can do in and through him and our relationship with him. Um, also, we need to be praying for people to get saved every week. And we need to be bringing people in. 
And let me say this also in the message today. Don't check out on me if you've been walking with the Lord because we're going to talk about what happens after you're saved and we're going to look at the journey. And some of you honestly will look at the journey and say, yeah, I'm not doing that yet, even though I've been saved for a long time. Uh, I'm going to say, don't stop it saved. That's just the beginning. That's the starting point. That's the launching pad into what God has for your life. And so then we begin a journey as we talked last week of, uh, and the resurrection power of allowing the Holy Spirit to rebuild the broken places and then helping others rebuild and also, I, I felt impressed to say it first service, I'll say it now, that we all need to learn how to maybe lead somebody to the Lord, in fact. And so I believe this series will help you uh, understand some of those dynamics. And so we have opportunities around us. Sometimes they won't always come to church. I think it's great. Hey, come to church and then pray for them, that their life to be touched and their lives to be changed. But, you know, you can, you can speak to them. You can help lead them where you're at. So we're going to do a series on that at some point. And also we'll have some life groups and stuff to help give you uh, the equipping that you need to do that. So I'm super excited about today. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right on in first scripture. Go ahead and turn uh, for me to, uh, let me see where that's at again, Ephesians, Ephesians. And uh, again, I want you to understand that this series, we're going to talk about being saved because we see people coming to the Lord, and then, and even your friends and your people you're inviting, and then it's like, now what? I mean, what happens? It looks like we're getting a lot of people saved, but then what do you do with them? I, I want to tell you what we do with them. And I also want you to look at the process, because I want you to be honest about the journey that you're on and see where you're at, because we all have a next step that I believe we can take in our journey of growing and the things of God. Uh, so don't check out on me uh, if you've been saved for a while. Uh, listen closely. Ephesians 2 eight and nine, New Living Translation, our starting point. God saved you, God saved you. You cannot save yourself. There is, there is no salvation that comes through any work of your own. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't be good enough, nice enough. You can't give enough money to missions. You can't go to the church enough. You can't do any of that to save your soul. You, uh, like all of us born on this planet, have sin and have a price to be paid. And the price for sin is a life. And Jesus graciously gave his life for all of us. So we're saved by grace. Say grace. grace. It's the grace of God that saved you. It's the grace of God that paid your price. And grace is you getting something that you don't deserve. Because Jesus didn't deserve death because he lived a sinless life. We deserved it, but, he, but grace says, I'm gonna pay that for you. So we're thankful for that, amen? We're thankful for what Jesus did. He paid our price so we wouldn't have to. We said this last week, hell's not a place where, where pe- God sends people they're mad at. Hell's a place where people are determined to pay their own price. But by grace, you're saved. Jesus already paid that, amen. Thankful for his grace. You're saved by his grace when you believed, belief in Jesus, that that's what he came to do. That's what we, we, we allow that work in our heart because we believe that by his grace. We don't deserve it, but he paid the price. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It is a free gift for everyone. And who doesn't like gifts? It's a free gift for, by God. But yet some people still won't take that gift. It goes on to say this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done because you couldn't do enough good things. None of us can boast about it. So you can't say you were, you were the reason for your own salvation, you earned your way to heaven, you just lived a good life, I was a good... And can I tell you, this is an important point because there's people that think that, there's teachings that teach that. They can just live a good life and trust God and you can work your way into heaven, you can earn your way into heaven. It's like we're doing things to get God to like us. Can I tell you, he loved you before you were ever born. He, there's no more love he can extend towards you than what he's already extended. He can't love you any more than he loves you right now, regardless of what you do, because the grace of God. Now, we're also thankful for the mercy of God. Amen? Grace says that I, he's given me something uh, I don't deserve, 
Um, and then mercy says, I'm not getting what I do deserve. Come on, how many are glad you're not getting what you do deserve? Come on, I'm telling you that right now. Amen, amen, amen. Every hand would be up in this room. And so we're thankful for that. There's nothing we can do, but God does that through his grace that we're saved. Again, mercy's not getting what you deserved. I'm thankful for that. So when you believed, and so again, too many people have that mixed up a little bit. Like it's a works thing. You work your way into salvation. You work your way into love of God. You work your way into him liking you or blessing you or the favor. And that's not the case for your salvation. Salvation is not a reward for a good thing. Grace and grace alone saves you. Let's take a look at the other side of that. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you, Paul, the church in Philippi. Speaking of the church in Philippi, wrote a letter. When I was with you and now I'm away, it's even more important. I'm going to tell you what you need to be doing. Here's what he says. Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Wait a minute, work hard. You just said, I didn't have to work to get to heaven. No, you don't have to work for your salvation, but after your salvation, you have work to do. So after you're saved, then yes, work hard. You gotta work out those things in your life. You don't have to get your life right to be saved, but after you get saved, then you can work with the power of the Holy Spirit to get your life right. You get to work out those things, but it says work hard. And then there's a journey that we need to go on. There's things that we need to do. In other words, don't stop just at your salvation experience. That's just the beginning. And then we need to be on this journey and doing the things that we need to do that will show others the results of our salvation. We should be different. What we do should be different because we're saved. We should live different. As Pastor Cody said, the people at your work should come to you not just because you checked in at church. Can I tell you, there's people checking in at church that people are like, wow, I never would have guessed that person went to church. (laughs) But because of how you live your life around them. You should show your salvation, the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear is what this series is about. For God is working in you. Aren't you glad he's working in you? When you're saved, he's working in you. God's presence and power is in you. His resurrection power lives in you, giving you, listen, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I just can't do it. I just don't have the power. Yes, you do. It's in Jesus in your salvation. You have the power to live for him. The thing he's not gonna do, he's already given the desire and he's given the power. What he won't do is do it for you. So don't stop at salvation. That's the first step. But then we live our life just expecting all these things to happen. And Paul said, no, work hard. But you have the power to do that. I just can't do it. No, in your own strength and ability, you can't. That's why he came inside of you to give you his resurrection power to do that, amen? So there's work to do, things that we need to be about and growing in the things of God, but we need to work. We just didn't come to this place of salvation, then we work and we work to grow in the things of God. And God works in us, giving us his power to do that. So it's important to see in your salvation what Jesus did through grace and what you do through hard work. And so sometimes, again, we just stop. A lot of people stop. A lot of people probably in this room stopped right at salvation. And I want to encourage you, inspire you, motivate you today to keep working, keep moving forward. And I want you to understand that uh, under grace, you're not trying to earn your salvation. It's been given, but there is work to do after your salvation experience. So I want to encourage you in that. Let's take a look uh, at what it looks like, the next steps. First Peter 2, 2, 2, 3. First Peter 2, two through three. I I love this picture here. Listen to how it's worded. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may, what's these next two words? You may what? Grow up 
in your salvation. Work to grow up in your salvation. Here's the picture, like newborn babies. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we've had two children. Well, well, she had two kids. I was a part of it, though. I was. I was there. I was a part of that in the room. In fact, I was a part of really almost three because I walked in the wrong labor and delivery room, right? And the most embarrassing moment in my life, everybody looks at me, and she's like, all I could say was, he's crowning. Keep pushing. I don't know. You're right there. I don't know. So kind of two and a half. But when the baby comes, I remember with both of my kids, even though almost 19 and 17 years ago, they, they give you the baby for just a very short period of time. You may have just, a, and then what they do, a whole team comes in and rushes the baby to the nursery and they're, they're checking the baby out and they're weighing the baby and they're looking everything, taking temperature. There's critical care that takes place. Can I tell you, after you're born again, that's the beginning of critical care. You need, you need to allow people to come alongside you and support you and help you and check you out. We want to make sure you're good to go and that you have someone help I wish I would have brought the statistics and studied it out, but here's what I know, just from own experiences and, and our children, those moments, not only those first moments of, of new birth, but those moments, those first years, those are formative years, right? I mean, they say you can look back today at the person you are in your adult life, and a lot of that can be traced back to how well done or how not well done those formative years were. I mean, whatever happened in that moment of, of them nurturing you and them caring for you and then you growing and giving you the things you need, a safe environment to grow and, and, and aware of the needs that you have. And, and it might even be things like nutrients or supplements or things like that to help you through. And, and then they're, they're taking you home and, and, they're, and they're giving you education and they're growing and you're growing. And those formative years are so critical. Can I tell you, salvation is not just a one-time, uh, it is, a, it is a, an experience in a moment, but then after the change happens, then it is a, a life time of a journey of growing in the things of God. You're saved. And so now you begin this journey of growing in the things of God. And especially right now, uh, those of you that are going back to, let's talk about the 300 this year from January to now, those of you, perhaps even people online, listen, these are important times right now. This isn't time just to come get your ticket to heaven punch. You need to come now and get some critical care and you need to come and get some support in these formative years so you know who you are in Christ. So you can live out a healthy life. So down the road, you can look back and say, you had a a well done time that people came and supported you in those formative years, and now you're a victorious Christian. It's a process. It begins with our salvation, but it doesn't end there. And so I I love the picture here as being talked about there in the look of the the newborn baby, the the formative years, growing up. And too many people are satisfied with just going to heaven. Can I tell you, listen, God wants to bring heaven to earth. The time that you're on the planet, you just don't try and survive. You just don't try and endure until that day. Then the sweet by and by or whatever, you know, or whatever, go to heaven or whatever that looks till that day. How about today? And how about tomorrow? And how about the next day that you can live a victorious life because you're saved? All things are passed away, all things have become new. And so it requires a lot of looking after in the same way, like newborn babes, new believers, crave the spiritual milk. Your decisions are important so that you may grow up, grow up in our salvation. And now that you've, and and it goes on, guys, go back. now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love it. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Those moments, those environments that are created that just moves on your heart and you just cry out to God and he changes your life. That, that time perhaps where, where someone came and shared a word with you that you knew it just brought you peace and you knew those were truth and so something in you said you want that. Those times of coming to service and you're in a moment of praise and worship and the lights are down and, and they're singing and, and you feel this peace and this presence and all you know to say,
say, it just, just feels different, it just feels good. Can I tell you, it's an experience. Taste and see that he's good. Just don't watch other people. Taste and see it for yourself. Can I say, I love that here at Tree of Life. That's what we work to do. We work so hard to create environments where you can feel, touch, experience the presence and power of God because you need to taste him for yourself. And I hear people say this all the time, you know, well, you're just doing this feel-good church thing and your music and all that and, and dressing down and that's not church and all this kind of feel-good church. Can I say this? If people come up and they say, that's just, no, you know, this part of that feel-good church. And I, here's, here's my response. Well, what's the alternative? The feel-bad church? Seriously. Don't raise your hand, but a lot of us know what those are. Come on. They're beating you down with your sin and guilt and all that kind of stuff. And there's a place to talk about sin and guilt. But listen, God is a good God and God is a faithful God and he's a good father. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. So we want you to taste the goodness of God. We want you to taste the goodness of God. Absolutely. Why? So we can grow up. So we can grow up. We want that. And that's, just for a second, let me think, stay here a little bit longer. Listen, listen that's, it is why we do what we do. That, that, that's why we have coffee and corny pastor jokes, right? Because we can laugh and have a good time. That, that's why we have a jungle cafe. And that's why we have engaging praise and worship and practical, relevant uh, word that you can apply to your life because you need to, it needs to be a part of who you are. You need it in your, in your mouth. You need it to walk out with. You need to take away and go and live your life in a certain way. It's important for us to do that. So can I tell you, the world is a terrible place. The world's an evil place. The world's a terrible place. The world's a hard place. The church shouldn't be. It should be the one thing of the week that tastes good. And everything else tastes bad. Can I tell you, in India, we couldn't find anything that tasted good. I've lost a lot of weight in India. India's still with me, I think. I don't know. But listen, that last day in Delhi, when we got to Delhi, I just Googled meat, beef. And we found ourselves, the Holy Spirit just directed us to Hard Rock Cafe. And I ate a bacon cheeseburger and it tasted good. And I just savored it and juices ran down my mouth. I think tears came out of my eyes. Just thank you, God. That's the experience. That's the experience. That's God. You can't wait to take another bite. It's amazing. It's the best thing you've had. Come on. <laughs> but remember what we talked about. And you make a decision for Christ and then get to work. I got saved. That's great. Celebrate. And then let's celebrate together. But then get to work. I'm going to give you five things in this journey, this process after you're saved that we need to be doing, that we need to be about. Every believer Everyone that is saved needs to take this journey. First thing we need to do is be water baptized. First thing, be water baptized. It just so happens today we have a baptism service immediately following this service. You can get water baptized. Why is that the first? I don't know, but because the Bible says so. <laughs> Why is that the first? Because Jesus says to do it. That's how he started his ministry. And listen, can I tell you, it doesn't need like point A, point B, point C, because if Jesus said it, to do it, that's enough for me. But the Bible talks about being water baptized after your salvation experience. And that's the first step, really, for all of us. The answer is that Jesus said to do this. If you look at baptism in the scripture, there are two things I want to point out. Number one, they were always post-decision. I want you to understand that. And let me say this before I move on with this point, and I want to bring some clarity here. 
the water baptism, we believe the word baptizo is the Greek word that we were to get baptism. It means to be immersed or to be submerged. That's why we do it how we do it here at Tree of Life. But when you look in the scripture, you'll see 27 instances or 27 pictures of water baptism and every single one of them happened post-salvation, post-decision. Now, I know that in our, in our culture and there's teachings and thinkings like that, there's other ways to do it. And, and, I, hear, and I don't mean, dis- please, 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 don't hear any disrespect in me on that. I respect that and I honor that, but I think there's an experience post-decision that you need to have as well, the Bible says. And so that's what we want to engage in today. And every time we do water baptism, they're post-decision experiences. And so uh, another thing that we see is they're both spontaneous and immediate. You see spontaneous and immediate on the moment, wherever they are. Let's do this and let's get baptized. Uh, The first message ever preached after Jesus resurrected and then he ascended to heaven. The first message ever preached after the upper room, the Holy Spirit filled the room. They poured out in the streets. Peter started preaching. 3,000 people, the Bible say, were saved and baptized. 3,000 people were saved and baptized. In fact, let's take a look at it, Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message, meaning who believed, were baptized, saved and baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 saved, 3,000 baptized. And I believe that to be true. Jessamy and I talking about the Israel trip when we were in Israel. We went to the upper room as part of the tour, part of our tour, we went to the upper room. We had just an incredible worship service till they kicked us out of there because you're not supposed to do the signs all over. Don't pray, don't worship. <laughs> we did that, got kicked out. But anyway, so we went out into the streets and, and uh, where it's at and you were out in the streets and you can imagine back in the day what was happening at that time. There were people from all over. The Bible says every nation all over there in Jerusalem, right there by the temple. And you can see how crowds would be there and it would be easy for a huge crowd to be there and for Peter to stand up under the power of the Holy Spirit and preach about Jesus and people get saved. And what it is outside the temple, there's all these places. We saw them. All these places where people, before they would go in the temple, they'd have to go and wash themselves. So it's easy to see how the crowd would be there rolling out of the Holy Spirit hits, preaching a message, 3,000 people get saved, and then immediately they start baptizing them in all these places that people wash before they go to the temple. You see that all throughout scripture, 27 instances, post-decision. Um, okay, let me give you another one then, Acts 8.12. Acts 8.12 says this, but when they believed Philip, salvation, they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized after the message. Uh, one more verse, go, let's move one more to 8, the 8.13. Simon himself believed and was baptized. So we see this all throughout scripture. Believe and baptize. First steps, water baptism. Again, we just happen to have that available for you today. Number two, second step, join a local church. Here's where we start getting into everybody else. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that got saved that haven't been baptized, but listen, this is the one that people can live their whole life having a relationship with Jesus, but not having a relationship with the church. There's people that can be 20 years walking with Christ, but jumping from church to church, they can't commit somewhere. Can I tell you, it's important. It's a biblical principle on your journey of growing to mature. How can you mature if you don't stay consistently somewhere to grow? And so I'm not here to, to, to try and get everybody signed up. Well, yeah, you have to say that. You just want us all to join your church. No, I don't. Now, I think this is a great church. But there's a lot of great churches out there. I have a relationship with a lot of pastors in the area, and I can vouch there's some great churches around here. If this isn't the one for you, hey, praise the Lord, go find one, or I'll help you find one where you can get plugged into, because you need to be committed to grow from the milk and being a baby to grow up, to grow up in the things of God. 
it takes them consistently and God established it in a way that we become part of a local group of believers. So we grow together. You need to find one where you believe in the mission, where you believe in the vision, where you believe in the word that's taught, where you believe in how the money is spent and then you can commit and then you commit to it. Look what Ephesians 2.19 says, Living Bible translation says this. Now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you're members, you got saved, you believed, members of God's very own family. Church, capital C, family of God, global, or part of his church. All of us are. But listen, it goes on to say this. And it says, citizens of God's country, and you belong, listen, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong. We are part of a global community of Christians around the world, in India, Mexico, everywhere. But listen, then he says, get in the house of God. Get in the house of God where you live. There's a local household where you live. It's great being part of the global community, but then you need to come together and local households to do the work and make a difference where you are. Then it doesn't have to be this one. And membership for us starts with our growth track next month, every other month. But listen, you need to be in one. It's important to do that because the local church is God's plan to change the world. Because we come together, we pool our resources in unity and oneness of heart and spirit, and we make a difference. That's why we can make a difference in India and around the world and here locally, because we're all working together. Can I tell you, not one person put all the money in for all the things you just saw on the screen. It was people putting in $5 to $500. We all contribute. It's eating a hamburger or whatever, or chicken fajitas, which is today, and all that. Who knew all that would go to help people all over the world? The local church coming together makes a difference, than a bigger difference than any individual ever could. It's great to be a part of a local group of believers walking in unity. Just the size and unity of this church allows us to invest thousands upon thousands upon thousands into reaching and helping people all over the world. We could never do that alone. That's the strength of the local church. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus is his church. He said, I will build my church. And, it ought to, and that's why we ought to invest our time and our money there. It doesn't have to be here again. Number three, get in a small group. Get in a small group. Now we're just even stepping on more toes there, right? Get in a small group. It's enough to get water baptized and then join a church or be a part of a committed group of believers. And now we got to get in a small group. And I know the pushback on this. I, just, I heard it actually yesterday. My wife and I were talking and some people, hey, we used to go there, but it was just too big. And I get that. So we wanted to find a smaller church. But listen, let me tell you what the thing that needs to happen for all of us. We need to connect with a smaller group of people, not a smaller church, but a smaller group of people, because whether it's a church of 100 or 1,000 or 10,000, you need to connect with a small group of believers there. It's not the size of the church. It's your desire to get and connect with a small group of people that know your name. Connect with a group of people that know you're hurting, because you can still get lost in a church of 100. You can still not have anybody help you or invest in somebody else in a church of a hundred. A thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand. So it's not the size of the church, it's your willingness to connect with a small group of people. To do life together. To speak into each other's lives. That somebody knows, you need, you, you need to have somebody that knows when you're hurting without you telling them. And that is willing to stand with you and pray with you. People know your name. Your associate, let me tell you this, your associations will define your future. You need to connect with a small group of people. My dad told me this all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you the next 10 years of your life. And you have to make some decisions about people in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, bad company corrupts good character. Who are you gonna let influence your life? 
You need to break it off with wrong people. You need to find the right people that know you. And I say, when I was in uh, high school, and I had been saved as a kid in elementary school, the church started in 81. I was in eighth grade when the church started, got into high school, and all of a sudden, I wasn't really walking with the Lord as, as I wanted to or needed to, rather should, and all of a sudden, I decided that's what I wanted to do, and, and then I had this group of friends. I had to just walk away from my friends. I had to tell them, hey, man, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I lost some friends for a short period of time, but you know, three of my best friends started coming to church after that, after a while, and got saved. But I had to tell him at some point in time, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm not going to do those things. I had to break it off. And then when I went to college, I slipped back in and not walking with the Lord and messing around for a while. And then I stopped and, and followed the, the Lord of my, of my life. I was running from him and I started running to him. And when I went to Bible school then, after my seven-year college tour, or seven-college tour, freedom tour, then I went to Bible school answering the call of God. I came back home on staff and I had to not re-engage with my friends and I had to stop, stop. I, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I want to follow God. I had to break it off. I had one of them come back to church after a few months and said, thank you for making that stand. My life was a mess too, and I saw the courage in you, and so I'm here. And they're still in this church today. I'm telling you what, you need to connect with the right people and disconnect from the wrong people. And don't feel like you're getting lost in a big church. Come on, it doesn't matter the size of the church. Are you determined or are you willing to connect with people? We need that. We need those groups in our life. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, look at this real quick. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. One another, how do we do that? You can't do that in this type of setting. I can try and spur you on, but the interaction amongst all of you, that's difficult just because it's a, the mass meeting. So that's talking about in a smaller context, not giving up meeting together, and we equate that to the big service. And there's truth in that, the temple meetings, the New Testament church, and breaking bread house to house. But listen, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You do that in the small group, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. The day means the return of the Lord. Here's what it's saying. Small groups will help prepare you for the day the Lord comes back. Come on, that's what the scripture says. A small group encouraging one another, spurring each other on, will help prepare you for the day Jesus returns. That's what it says. You need to connect with a small group. It's hard out there. And you can't make it from just Sunday to Sunday. Your small group helps prepare you for that last day. And number four, start growing. Start growing. You need to start growing. Wherever you are there's an, on the process, there's another step. Listen, let me speak to new believers real quick. Especially, probably this is all believers, honestly. Read your Bible. New believers, start reading your Bible every day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Well, I gotta read what, a whole book? No. Read a couple of scriptures. You can go online on our app, get our app, download our app, and you can have a Bible reading plan right there. It doesn't get any easier. First thing you do when you get out of bed is grab your phone anyways. Right? Some of you made a cup of coffee first, maybe. I don't know. But listen, start reading your Bible every single day. Why do I need to do that? There's so many reasons why, but let me give you one. Because the Bible says the Bible is a mirror of your life. You see your reflection in the Bible. And so what the Bible does, just as you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, the Bible shows you who you are. You're reading the Bible and saying, well, I'm not doing that. I should be doing that or I need to stop doing that. And the Holy Spirit through the word speaks to you on how you should live your life. We need that. You get up in the morning. First thing you should do is spend a few minutes reading the word of God. Why? Because the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is spend a few minutes looking in the mirror. Come on. Now, some of you may not. I saw your hair and your clothes. You may not have looked before you left the house, but nonetheless, <laughs> Flip side of that, somebody spent all morning. But anyway, so, you know, you, 
It's the same thing in the Bible. You look in the mirror. Hey, when you look in the mirror of the word, you're looking, hey, that's not, I need to work on that a little bit. Maybe that's not so good right there. Okay. First thing you do is look in the mirror. You might think, man, I'm looking good. Good job, God. <laughs> looking there. So you're looking in the mirror of the word. The next thing you do is pray. Why? Because now you know what to pray about. The word just revealed to you. Hey, that's the same thing. You look in the mirror and it's like, you call out to God or you cry out to God, help me, God, help me fix that. Do something different. It's the same thing. Help me, God, fix that. Help me do different. And then spend a minute, two minutes, three minutes in worship. I love the songs we sang. You know, the second song we sang today has become one of my favorites. Our worship team wrote that song. Spend some time worshiping the Lord and then start your day. Then start your day. Start growing. The Bible reflects who you are. Then spend a few minutes in prayer because now you know what to pray. And then you spend a few minutes in worship, thanking God, celebrating who God is. Listen, as a church, we want to help you in that. So that's why we have the growth track. It starts May 6. You get in there and start growing. Why? Hebrews 6.1 says this. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward in maturity. Taken forward to maturity. We need to grow. We are to grow. Last step, number five, find your purpose. This is where save becomes lots and lots of fun. And we're not here on earth just to exist or survive. I know there's some people that says, I'm just going to make it till Jesus comes. I'm just going to endure. I'm just going to suffer. I'm just going to, I'm hanging in there till that day. Heaven's going to be good. Can I tell you? You have a purpose. You're not here just to exist. You're not here just to survive. You're here to work hard. You're here to mature. You're here to reach other people's lives so they can be saved. You're here because you have a purpose and you need to find it. The best way to solve your problems is to have something bigger in your life than your problems. See, the more if we'll focus more on our purpose, we'll focus less on our problems. In fact, if we'll focus more on our purpose, we'll have less problems because most of our problems are equated with we don't know what we're here to do on the planet. We don't know what to say yes to. We don't know what to say no to. And so we get caught up in things we have no business being caught up in. That's not what God created me to do. That's not what he equipped me to do. It's not what he gave me favor to do. So once we discover our purpose, which is a home run for us here at Tree of Life, getting you to discover your purpose, then you find out that, man, life really gets fun there. Oh, there's going to be challenges, but you can stay focused now and keep doing what you know to do. And that is the home run for Tree of Life. Our mission statement here is just to, to help people connect to the life, love, help families connect to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Help people find their purpose, basically. That's what that sums up. God created you for a specific purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Listen, which God prepared in advance. In advance of what? In advance of our life. God had a purpose for you before you were ever even considered. So, in other words, God said, at this time, 2018, I need Don to be doing this long before I was ever born. And then he created me. And to me, that's amazing. Because I think people go their whole life thinking that they're born and they're trying to figure stuff out. And let's see how their personalities, let's see the advantages they had as a child. Maybe not. That I go to school, that I get educated. And based on all those things, okay, then I can do these things for God. And we talk ourselves out of the things that God has for us. But God says, no, I have these things that need to be done, so I'm going to create you to do them. Don't get distracted. Don't get talked in or out of it. Don't look at outside circumstances. If that's what I've created to do, do it with everything you have. That's your purpose on the planet. There's nothing more fulfilling. You'll never be satisfied or fulfilled unless you're doing what you were created to do. 
specially crafted, not an accident, created to do, not to exist. You know, today, in closing, today, we have the honor of leading many of you in that first step, water baptism. And I know, I know many of you didn't come for that. Maybe you weren't even thinking about that. Wasn't even on your radar. Didn't even know it was being offered today. And you're like, how am I going to do that? It'll be all wet. And can I tell you, I also know there's probably not one of us in here that has not gotten our car wet at one time or another. We've all gotten our car wet. Come on, we live in this area. We've all not intended to do something at the river or at the lake or somewhere, and we've gotten our car wet. And some of us, we don't even want to know the reason why. Just keep that, repent, leave that with the Lord, okay? But can I tell you today, there's not a better reason why than to get in your car wet today than you got water baptized and you weren't even planning to. An amazing opportunity. The first step. Why? Because you're saved. Why should I do that today? Because you're saved. That's why. And we have it out there for you. And we have, we'll give you towels as best we can. We'll put you in front of the hand dryer in the bathroom. I don't know. Just whatever we can do. But listen, you're saved. Get water baptized. Experience all the things that God has. We're going to celebrate with you on that one. Give us the honor of walking that out with you. And I know this, that God loves it when his kids grow up. You know, going back, and I'm going to say this in closing, maybe I shouldn't, but going back to some of the things, I think in our life we, we look at other people and we think that, that they're holding us back. And can I, can I tell you, no one's holding you back but you. Because once you're saved, the, the devil's been defeated and God's given you his desire and power. So maybe for some of us, can I say it this way, as lovingly as I can, let's grow up. Can I say it this way, and you know my heart, let's quit being babies about some things. Let's just trust God and go for it. Why? We're saved. What have we got to lose? Nothing. We've already lost our life. We've given it to Jesus. We have everything to gain. His life, amen, and his destiny. We're saved. Amen. Hey, and that doesn't mean, and that doesn't just mean we're going to heaven. Thank God we're going to heaven, but we can have heaven on earth. Why? Because we're saved. God is a good and faithful God. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope. Today, and in the series, launching this series, I'm saved. Inspire you, motivate you, encourage you to grow, to either get saved today if you're not, or to move forward in that process if you are, and to invite other people that we know aren't saved because they need to be saved. But on the chance there's one here this morning that has not asked Jesus to come in and be the Lord of their life, that's your beginning point. Salvation is the initial experience that you need. Jesus died to pay for the price. His grace is extended so you didn't have to pay the price. You don't have to pay the price for your sin because he did and grace is extended to you today no matter what you've done. His grace is sufficient for your changed life. So if you're here and you know that you need to invite him in. You cannot remember a moment in time that you intentionally, purposely invited him in. Something's tugging on your heart and you need to make that decision, the greatest decision of your life, to invite him in and to have that salvation experience. If that's you this morning, I'm not gonna have you stand, not gonna have you come up front. I'm gonna pray a commitment prayer in a moment, but we're all gonna pray it together. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, I need to be saved. I need to make sure that I'm saved. I wanna invite Jesus in. If that's you and you would say, can you include me in that commitment prayer? Let me just see your hand real quick. Just put it up, let me see it, come on. Today's your day to be saved, just put it up. Let me see it, come on, just put it up. Let me see it, today's your day. The 300 that have already, the many in first service, come on, today's your day to be saved. Come on, put it up, let me see it real quick as I look around. Amen. Lots and lots of hands. Praise the Lord. Amen. One more time as I look around. Don't miss your day to be saved. Don't put off tomorrow. You can take care of today. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I'm saved. 
but it seems like he's a million miles away. Well, let me encourage you, he'll never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we need to make a course adjustment, get back on track with the things of God. We might say rededicate, recommit. If that's you and you know that you need to get back on track, make that course adjustment, today's a great day to do that. If that's you and you would say, Pastor, could you include me in that commitment prayer? I need to get back on track. I want to recommit. If that's you, just real quick, put your hand up. Let me see that. Come on. What a great day for that. Thank you. Hands all over. What a great day for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. More importantly, God sees your hand. More importantly, God sees your heart. You can put your hands down and look up for just one moment. I'm going to lead us through a prayer. Just a moment. The power in the prayer is attaching your heart to it. In fact, I'm going to have you repeat the prayer. So don't just automatically repeat it. Mean it from the bottom of your heart because God sees your heart and then does what only he can do. Only he can change and transform you from the inside out. Save you. He's the only one. So we're going to pray this prayer. Repeat it after me, but mean it from the bottom of your heart. And let's let God be God and work in us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Sent to the earth to die on a cross, to pay for my sin, and then to go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. And thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and Lord, now and forever. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's a good and faithful God. Amen. He's in a great plan for your life. Hey, guess what? You're saved. You're saved. That's awesome. You're saved. Congratulations to those first time experience and those that are rededicating today. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.